Hello, how are you doing? I'm Craig Parkinson. You are listening to the Two Shot Podcast. Sit yourself down, pop the kettle on. We're going to have a nice old chat. Who's it with this week? I'm going to tell you right now. How the devil are you? Everything good? Fantastic. I'm Craig Parkinson. This is the Two Shot Podcast. And it's episode 40 with Karen Bryson, MBE, no less. More of that in a sec. Now, I'm sat in my living room. Radcliffe the cat is, at the moment, fast asleep behind me on the settee. So if he wakes and starts meowing, trust me, you're going to know about it. So cross fingers. Let's get through this. Now, this week... And actually, a few weeks ago, I wanted to say this. We've had a lot of new subscribers hitting that button. And your messages and emails that have been coming in of support have been fantastic. We really, really don't take any of it for granted. We read them all and we're thrilled. We know how many podcasts out there. And you have a choice. And the fact that you've added us to your list really, really means the world. Now, if you do love what we do, Right. Now, of course, this is free. It's a free podcast. I've, we've never said it, it wasn't. But we have a Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash the two shot podcast. What's Patreon, Craig? I'm going to tell you. It's a little donation page, right, where you can pledge anything from $1 upwards. Now, the more you uh, donate to us to say that you like it, uh, you get bonus content and free things like that. Now, for those people who have donated in the past $5 or more, or if you want to come on and donate, there's a little something that's going to be happening. We're going to give something back to you. I can't tell you what it is. All I will say is that these very, very beautiful things are, as I speak, being made in a factory. That's right, in a factory. Um yeah, look, I can't say any more, but when they're ready, the people who have donated $5 upwards a month, you're going to be getting something in the post, trust me. So look, go to the page, take a look. There's a lovely little video there. You get to see producer Griff in all his beautiful glory. Um, it just tells you a little bit about it. But, you know, if you want to do it, it'd be, uh, yeah, we'd be really thrilled. But as I say, if you don't, it's still going to be free every week now something else you can do for us and this is free okay you know we've been nominated for best culture podcast in the british podcast awards i know Uh, yeah i still can't believe it um but also you can go to the listeners award so if you go there's radcliffe if you go to britishpodcastawards.com slash vote he's really put me off my stride it's british podcast awards dot com slash vote there there's a little box you type in the two shot podcast click submit the vote's done you could help us get the listeners award let's see i'm gonna go i'm getting meowed um but please enjoy this it's episode 40 with karen bryson mbe we went to soho we sat down with karen and she's wonderful it's a brilliant episode we really get down to it. Um, yeah, we dive in at the start talking about a letter that came through the post. Please enjoy 
and I shall see you at the end. You know, I won't call you Karen or Karen Bryson from now on. I have to call you Karen Bryson MBE. Oh, bless you. (laughs) (laughs) What are you doing this morning? I've got to go and record a podcast with Karen Bryson MBE. Incredible, huh? I'm still in shock. It's a little bit weird. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about that. How, How did that, where did that come from? Okay, so I have no idea. I think people nominate. I have no idea. All I know is I got a letter, and on the letter it said urgent, and then it said it was like cabinet office. But my brain got all mixed up and thought, do I owe tax? What have I done? That was the first. So I opened it with my hands sort of shaking, and I kind of scanned it, and it said MBE. And then I kind of chucked the the letter and text my husband, who's at work. I was like, if you're not in a meeting, call me ASAP. And he called, and I said, MBE. He could. He knows me so well. It's 10 years together. So he was like, step away from <laughs> step away from the letter and when I get home we'll I'll have a look at it and we'll and he just your mind must have been just whirling I started cleaning and then when I read it what it actually said was you have got an MBE if you want it uh yeah that's amazing Karen I'm really chuffed especially my background I'm really really chuffed so all this stuff Windrush stuff now yeah Um, Dad came over here, joined the British Army from Barbados. Right. Very, very poor country folk. He wasn't going to be Viv Richards, the cricket player, which he grew up with cricket. The only I know way- nothing about sport. Oh, do you not? No. Yeah. But was- you can throw those references in, but I, I might not say anything because I have no idea what you're talking right, about. bless you. <laughs> Back in those days, the, the West Indies team was brilliant and cricket was, you know, Ian Botham days, you've probably heard of him. Beefy. Yeah, Gat- Mike Gatting, da 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 And I only know this because my dad was a big, big into cricket. So he came over with his cousin, joined the British Army with five shirts between them. And they rotated them to make it look like they had an extensive wardrobe. So I came from a place of, you didn't come here to muck about. And with what's happening now, my heart is breaking. Yeah. It's breaking. Those guys coming over as young children with their parents, working their asses off for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Yeah. And this is what they're going through. I know. I'm disgusted. I'm absolutely disgusted. I think we all are. Yeah. And incredulous. I mean, it's jaw-dropping stuff. So coming from a background where, as I said, it was, you work doubly hard. That was part of our ethos. So I hate the word bored, and I still do. If I hear young people saying bored, they will get the wrath of Karen. There is absolutely no reason to be bored especially in this day and age and back then mum mum and dad saved up and bought children's botanicas which was like our internet if you probably to look at them now all the information is probably off but but at the time absolutely it was was amazing oh look oh i look at the children's botanica if we looked bored it was get a book (laughs) that was it that was it get a book so weirdly Again, it was all full circle. And oddly, when I was able to announce the MBE at 10.30 at night, once I published it on the London Gazette, because I had to keep my mouth closed for months, I was at a charity event and we were taken from the houses of 
from the House of Commons, from the Houses of Parliament to the House of Commons. And in between, there's a sort of square area with a statue of Margaret Thatcher, Atwell, Churchill, and somebody else, I can't remember, brass statues. He was telling us a history about those. And at one point he said, oh, and the carpet that you're standing on, the rug, this rather threadbare rug, and I'm going to imitate his voice, the rather threadbare rug at one point was seen as the centre of the British Empire. And I went, ding, 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 ding. It was 10.32. I was standing next to Ashley Walters, knowing now I can go public. I put my black feet <laughs> on that rose, <laughs> the threadbare rose, <laughs> and just did a little thing to my dad for yeah. all those times when it was, get a book. Yeah. Um, it wasn't there, but I felt him with me. But, yeah, incredible. How did your mum and dad meet? Here. Here. So they, he came over. Yeah. He came over... And it's really weird because if there's any ethnic, and I, actually if there's any black listeners, they will understand these partitions that we like to make. And one of them is culturally Barbados and Jamaicans generally don't get on. Oh, really? So there are some Caribbean islands that are known to be fairly chill. Mm. And Jamaicans are quite fiery. So to all the black listeners, they're probably cracking up now because that was almost, as they say, doomed to fail before it started. Everyone goes, you know, you talk to older um, black people and they say, oh, you know, where are your parents from? And you say Jamaica and Barbados. They're like, mm, they're not together, are they? It's one of those. Wow. Quite extraordinary. But um, they met here. Mum <clears throat> came over slightly after the massive influx windrush mm. via her sister, um, and she was set up to be a nurse, and she met him through the small circle that was building up of community of people from the Caribbean coming over here. And um, they met, fell in love. Dad was still serving at the time, so I have letters. Yeah, with him in his uniform and the little writing in the corner wow. to my love and all that. Yeah. But there, you know, my, my father's no longer with us, but that was the... They met here. I wouldn't be here if they didn't come over if they weren't invited over yeah, to course. do the shit jobs. Yeah. Have you, have you listened to, I know you're into your music, Craig. Have you listened to Knitting Sawney? Which, uh, right. which album? Exactly. I could, I, I knew you'd be a fan. Beyond Skin. But the, uh, no. the, 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 the immigration one where he's got a recording of his father. Yes, I Oh, have. my dear oh, Lord. Yeah. So I had no idea that that's the sort of propaganda that went out to British Empire countries to get people over. Mm. And now you're being tossed out. So we were invited with a red carpet, told kind of lies. So in that track, he's recorded his father saying, we were shown pictures of Kew Gardens, told this, that, the other, <laughs> like it was paradise. Yeah. The only thing that was missing was a, a soundtrack with violins. And look, look what's happening yeah. now. Go back to the track. Your eyes will probably start watering. In fact, I'm going to listen to it when yeah, I Yeah, I think we should going. all just, just naturally, yeah. when this podcast is over, go back and listen yeah. to that track. Yeah. That is about, yeah. I haven't listened to that for ages, I actually. Know, I know, I love it. Will you take me there to a distant place? Yeah. Oh, God. And he made it sound mystical. Yeah. What he'd done with the track. But that's how he, his fa that was his father's experience. I had no idea that they'd gone to those lengths. You know, the whole thing with the Enoch Powell. Rivers of Blood. God, mm. yeah. No, don't even... Let's not start. <laughs> Where does it end? Exactly. <laughs> Sorry, that was all a bit deep. No! Look, this is the time and place to do that, Karen. And I thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
Was it just you? Or do you have sisters, brothers? Um, I've got an older sister and a younger brother. And I've got some half-brothers. Two younger ones. Tell me about your brothers and sisters. Um, they're fabulous. My older sister was the bookish one. Um, well, you all sounded quite bookish. No, I wasn't no? actually. No, no, I wasn't. That was the odd thing. If it wasn't for my mum, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing because my dad would have tried to force me to be a lawyer or a doctor to no avail. So I might have ended up with serious mental health issues because that's a, that's that can be the problem in any situation like that where the pressure is on. Knowing where he'd come from, mm. which I have absolutely no concept of really some poor shit mm. um to coming over having an opportunity to make a good life to bring children into the world that you can give a chance to yeah so that was always omnipresent in our growing up it's just that wasn't my flavor i'm not academic i'm just not had you always felt that had you always known that you weren't academic because yeah. I, I know I, I know I yeah. certainly wasn't at school, and I know loads of people weren't. Absolutely. So from fairly young, I was always, and this is going to sound like a cliche, I kid you not, the one doing plays to teddy bears lined up in my bedroom and then doing it in school, making up little bits and bobs and making people in the rest of the class watch us. Mm. I was never... Did you direct as a child? Right, if you could... Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 My my make belief was always about that, not the not necessarily playing with dolls and working out that way, but actually getting human beings to go. If you say that bit and I say that bit, let's go back to the top. I, I honestly, um, so I always knew that there was an artisticy thing in me, and then I found poetry a little bit later, all sorts of. But I, I just knew I wasn't academic. Yeah, and where was this? Northwest London. North, Northwest London, where Wembley. Else? Right, literally, our, my bedroom window overlooked. Those towers, which I can't believe I didn't get a photograph of Wembley Stadium before it was knocked down. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lovely street with, I'd call them auntie and uncles, to the point where I've got family members that I would class as family who are Greek. Asians, it's auntie. Close community vibes. Absolutely. Vibe. You know, we'd grow stuff in the back garden and share it. If you had too many pears, you'd share your pears. Too many apples, you'd share your... It was that. So, you know... Do you think I, we've lost that a bit now? Certainly, because I, I didn't find that when I used to live in London. I sort of crave for that community vibe. And, and in some places, you you still have it. But where I live, you know... I remember we lived in the tiny flat. And there was two other flats, you know. Mm. We were in the middle. Didn't really know the neighbours, didn't... Okay. You, it was one of those, you passed on the hall type of thing. Right. Flats are not conducive to a community... No. Having said that, I know some people who were brought up on the lower uh, blocks in council estates, so three-level ones, and they had an amazing time because it was a communal area that kids could play. And... Yeah, and so they bond over. Yeah. yeah. But weirdly, when I'd moved into North London, where I live now, I was on my own and in Bowes Park, and a guy from across the road, an old guy, I believe he was from the old Yugoslavia, knocked on my door and he had a basket full of stuff from his allotment. And I was like, huh? He said, welcome to the road. Wow. I know. I used to talk to him intermittently and it wasn't until he died that I found more out about him through his son showing me photographs of him in the war and whatnot. But that I won't forget. And also the woman next door heard me changing my locks. She just wanted to check that nobody was breaking in. 
So Bose Park are trying to recreate a safe area of people talking. There's a communal garden. I think if there's a communal space where people can get together, that's always a bonus. Yeah. A special times when that happens. Yeah. It doesn't seem to happen enough, does it? No, no, it doesn't. And it is a shame because the value of having good neighbour, a good street, people that you can rely on, is invaluable. Yes. You know, this is where you live. You want to be as comfortable and feel that people are looking out for you. You know, whether it's curtain twitching or whatever, who cares? If it means that something dodgy gets reported or someone says stop or whatever, it's just a nice feeling to have, and you, you know, know, to know that people are looking out for you. And in this day and age, it's all about trying to want to feel safe. I yeah. want to feel safe in my home. Yeah, 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 I know. You know. I know, I know. But let's go back to your home when you were a child. Yeah, um, yeah, a kind of weirdy, again, wanting to really please my father and be that academic person, but not having any interest whatsoever. I mean, towing the line. I wasn't a nightmare at school or anything like that. Did you enjoy school? Yes. Yes, I did. Yeah, I did. I had a laugh. I had a laugh. Good friends? Yeah. Yeah. Some I sort of reconnected with, but I had a laugh. I was the comedian because I ended up being quite chubby as well. Were you the class clown, Karen? Yeah. We are. <laughs> yeah, so it's pure jokes. Just to fit in as well, because there was an element of teasing. Yeah. You know, I could be hurt and scarred by it. At the time, it was horrific, because I was called fatso and all sorts of stuff. I mean, I was teased for loads of reasons, but I believe children do that. I'm not saying it's acceptable, but we're resilient. As kids, we're resilient. Yeah, and also children are uh, nasty bastards. Yeah. We all know that. Yeah, yeah. It's something quite primeval that they're acting out. So, for example, you could be a child or you could be a grown-up. Nature has it that you always want to belong. So, throughout my career, I've subsidised my income, especially in the early days, training to be a corporate actor. And there's one particular exercise. I mean, there's stuff we do when my jaws open. One particular exercise, which has been you know, uh, put together by psychologists. Yeah. And you could have a room full of suited men and women. Now, you say to them, get them up on their feet, and you say to them, okay, so we're going to split you up according to where you're from in the country. And it's extraordinary, the buzz that happens. So, Londoners, and they get all sort of, (laughs) you know, I want to be in a group where the Londoners here, and and suddenly you've got these groups. Oh, a couple of people from the southeast, a couple of northerners. Oh, there's one person from... Scotland, and they feel a lot... It's extraordinary. Wow. Grown CEOs right the way... I mean, people want to belong. Yeah. It's just the way it is. So, you know, with children, if you're not... If you don't look as though you fit in, that's easy target. Yeah. It goes on throughout life. And everybody has their gangs. Absolutely. You've got the clever ones, you've got the sporty ones. Absolutely. You've got the... The pretty bitchy girls. Yeah. You know, it's it's every school, isn't it? Well, things like sport. I've seen grown men cry if their team doesn't win. Yeah. Now, that's a good group to be part of if it means that, you know, you get out, get some fresh air, watch a game. But it can get to the point where it gets competitive and fights happen Mm. just within supporters. So that whole group mentality of wanting to fit in, whether it's, 
mothers' groups or it happens across the board. And unfortunately, I don't think that's going to end. I think it's something um, not just fundamental to human beings, but I think that's across the border. So if you think about animals, pack animals. Yeah, and- yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it keeps coming up on this podcast, but everybody wants to find their tribe, don't they? They want to find there their you people, go. Yeah. you know? It just, yeah. it, it just yeah. happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you finished school? Yes. How did the exams go? Oh, from, my... For someone who wasn't academic? Oh, it was horrific. So towards the end, I did start bunking off a bit. Did you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. And weirdly, one of the times I bunked off, I was at a friend's house who lived in Kenton. And that's where I went to school. It was a lovely school, which is now art school status, which would have served me well now. And um, in the local newspaper, there was a th- an advert for uh, classes with this woman, drama classes, speech and drama classes. And I ripped it out of her newspaper and took it home and showed it to my mum. At this point, my parents had divorced. And I said, Mum, can I do this? Because you had to pay... And she went, mm, I'll think about it. Months later, she must have figured out how she could pay for it and spoken to her. She said, um, get up, get washed and dressed. You're going. We're, we're, we're going to meet this woman. And um, best move I made, and I thank my mum continually for that. But there was no drama at school on the, on no, the syllabus? Really. No, and what happened is when we were 15, the drama department suddenly kicked into life. I think I may have spoken to... A couple of people spoke to the English... Head of English and said, why aren't we doing drama as part of our curriculum? Was this the pupils that were saying this? Yeah. Yeah. Because, for example, Shakespeare. It was horrific at school, where we were apportioned five lines each. Not per character. (laughs) So you had a load of teenagers just doing the words like this, and it meant nothing. And then a kind of synopsis... 10 minutes before the class ended about what we'd supposedly read. There was, I was like, oh, so. But it obviously meant nothing to the, the, the teachers because they weren't throwing out any passion to the students. To, absolutely. To get them excited. So exactly. it's a domino effect. If it's not, you know, shit like that bleeds down to the students. It has it, to. Absolutely. Or you wonder, is it chicken egg syndrome? Are they thinking that we're not going to be interested? Therefore I'm not interested. Yeah. Which, as a teacher, you should be inspiring. And a lot of it, you know, that, those early days weren't. So I can remember finding a, a secondhand, uh, a jumble sale, Romeo and Juliet, which is the first one we did at school. And the way she spoke about it compared to the way we read it, I was like, there's no correlation. Let me have a read. It took me months. Yeah. That was when it began. That's when I thought... It was probably like a wow. new language. Hello. Yeah. But just a really cool <clears throat> story. I was like, huh? Wow. Oh, my God. Romeo and Ju- Look, they loved each other. so. I was just taken into a different world. And you were, what, 15? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And in my quiet world, I wasn't the class clown. I was being the class clown to fit in. I was in my own little space and actually quite shy. Shy fat kid called Fatso. Yeah, and they were. that was your insecurities. You yeah. had to be, the, yeah. they had to be yeah. louder than everybody else to yeah. show that you, you're yeah. not broken. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So that was when my passion began for poetry and stuff that took me out of my little house in Wembley. Took you but, out of who you are. Yeah. yeah. Just opened up a whole world. Um, 
can I just go back? Mm. And we don't have to talk if you don't want to, but you, you spoke about your mum and dad getting divorced. Yeah. Can we just, how did that affect you and your brother and your sister? Was that? Not an issue. Really? Trust me. Right, you know the saying, and I stand by this now, we're together for the children. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. Don't underestimate the intelligence and resilience. Yep. Yeah. If your children, you say resilience, it's actually doing them more harm. If your parents aren't meant to be, if you know the parents aren't meant to be, if a couple is not meant to be together, don't be together. And more and more now, you know, we have blended families. We're used to that. There's ways of co-parenting that doesn't have to be a nightmare. Yeah. As long as you consider that child, but consider that child in your choice. We're not in the 1920s where you stay, where you're going to be talked about if you divorce. If it's not right, get out. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, when my my parents came, and it was all solemn. We're, you know, we're not we're not getting on. I think we should get. We're, we, you know, we're going to part ways. And the D word came up. I was like, thank you, Jesus. Because you probably felt it for a long yeah, time. Don't be together. No. You're not supposed to be together. And I was twelve. You're not supposed to be together. I'm glad that you've taken that decision to do that. Thank you. And was your dad still around in your life? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, it got awkward. So what was nuts for us as kids is my brother and I used to go to his house at weekends, but it meant we could eat shit food. <laughs> <laughs> Watch what we wanted. It was when videotapes were coming through. Oh, so he'd the let glory us go. days. Yeah. So he'd let us go to Blockbusters and we could pick one each, one to watch on the Saturday. It was my choice, as long as it wasn't too girly. And one for my brother Adrian to, to, to watch, as long as it wasn't too boyish. We had to agree. But, oh boy, uh, swimming, thought, it was like an adventure. But then I hit, you know, 15, 16, and wanted to go to Brent Cross with my friends and walk around. Yeah. Which was a little bit awkward. And then there's all sorts of stuff that went on with dad and him, a wife and blah, 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 blah. But we kind of lost our way as father and daughter for some years and got back together. Oh, you got that back? Thank F. Yeah. Because he passed away quite suddenly. But, yeah, it was... Well, how great you got there and you made amends. I'm so glad. and And he was aware of everything that we know now from psychologists about fathers and daughters. He was well aware of that. That was... I was the twinkle of his eye. I just was. And when we got back together as, an, as me being a grown-up, it was quite extraordinary. It was quite extraordinary. So he used to watch me on TV with his wife upstairs. Not interested. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So watched me grow. Wow. Because I left the sort of message of when you're ready... I'm here. I'm here. Yeah. When you're ready to be a grown-up. But sometimes... That's the only thing you can do. You can try and try and you can extend the olive branch with whatever sort of relationship that's fractured. Yeah. And you can try. And if that other person is still blocking you, you go, well, look, there's nothing more I can do. No. You just right, have I've to extended wait. this olive yeah. branch. I'll, when you're ready, when you're in a better place, I'll be here. Yeah. And we can yeah. try and resolve. Yeah. yeah. But I'm so pleased that happened, I Karen. Know. But in an adult, you know, the whole thing about transactional analysis, I don't know if you're aware of the whole thing of, you know, when you hear people going, I want to have an adult-adult conversation or parent-child, the role's reversed. Yeah. So I had to become the parent at that point and said, you know what, there's petulant child thing going on with you. I have to, I have to walk away because this is killing me. From being the apple of your eye to suddenly being 
Yeah, it's not second a, fiddle it's to not, a wife. It's not healthy at all, no, is it? No, no. But what was amazing is he put his hands up. I, again, tried to make it easier for him, saying, I appreciate you're in between a rock and a hard place. Um, he said, there's no rock, there's no hard place. It's my error. And I'll never forget that. He's being the bigger man there. Yep, grown up. That's yeah. all I wanted. Yeah. Now you be the grown up. You're the dad again. I'm in the wrong. Yeah, yeah. I, I take full responsibility yeah. for yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. And it is such an important relationship. It really is a father and a daughter and a mother and a son. It just is. Mm. Um, I knew he was always, I knew he was there and I knew I just wanted him to make a choice because I didn't ask to be born. He made me. Yeah. And he made his choice and it was devastating. But, you, you, you know, you get through it, you work your way through it. Whether it means picking odd men for a few years or men that are really wrong for you, for whatever reason you're acting out, you get through it. And especially that moment with my dad when we first saw each other after a very, very long time and he put his hands up. But we've got to make those mistakes. Yeah. Otherwise we can't grow and we can't no, learn. No. And he's a human being. Yeah. My dad was my God, my parent, you know, but he's a man, a human being who has foibles. Yeah. And makes mistakes. We all do. We all do. Tell me what it was like going to that drama class then when your mum said, right, go and have a wash, get your clothes on, we're going to go and see this woman. Who was this woman? Her name was Stella Greenfield and she did a thing out of her top floor in Stanmore and really old and really old-fashioned. So it was full-on, all the old speech and drama books. And she oh, said yeah, me, yeah. She said to me, you're really fat. You won't get work because there was an agency involved. She was that plain. How old are you? Uh, this is 14, 15. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Weirdly. There's nothing like, you know, instilling confidence in a child. Exactly. Is there? She said, but I love your voice. She said, I absolutely love your voice. I'm not sure about you getting work, but I think you'd benefit from the classes and freeing up, you know, who you are as a person. Probably wasn't even about work for you at the time, no, was it? it I mean, it was, it was no, it about wasn't. starting yeah. a journey. Yeah. Yeah. Oddly, I, I can't say that I was hugely wounded. By that point, I'd had a, th I've had, I, you know, pretty much had a thick skin. Yeah. Because you'd heard it before. Yeah. Yeah. So when she said that, I was a little bit crestfallen, but I was like, okay, so I might have to prove something here. Something subliminally. Because as it transpired over the next year and a half where I'd go, it would be extra curriculum. So it would be like a Tuesday evening and a Thursday evening. At some points, if she had to go and do something, I'd take the class. The black mm. girl. Because mm. it was full of lots of posh people as well. Mm. Yes. Wow. So she obviously saw something in you over that over that space of time. So you were going to classes with her for like a year and a half? Yeah, yeah, longer. Longer? Yeah. Until maybe towards the end of my A-levels, because I went on to do theatre-related A-levels, and I, I was kind of like, okay, it's getting a bit full. Or the, first, or the start of the A-levels. And was that still at the same school, in the sixth form, or did you go to, to no, college? No, I went to Kingsway, Princeton, where a lot of creatives went. That was when I went, I'm at home. Ah, you found your place. I found my place. At, you know, being... It's a nice moment when that happens. It really is. Yeah. It really is. And that place produced some full-on, all the different courses. I don't know if it's the same now. What, tell me about the courses. So, so there were, there was photography, there was 
What was so Eddie Ennerfall, the um, editor of British Vogue? Yeah. Mate of mine then, and again, people going, "You're not going to be an actor. You're fat. You're not going to be." Yeah, he's that. Yep, I've got a photo of us back then catching jokes. Really? Yep. Me, a big girl, <laughs> and him doing his little fashion thing. He said, "I am going to be in the fashion industry," and people used to say, "No, you're not." And look, hello. Determination. Hello. Boom, boom. I mean, there are loads of people that have come out of. I don't think it's the same sort of structure, but people could stay um, stay in the in the premises for you know, hours after it was closing. It was a little ramshackle. They probably rebuilt it and made it a little bit more sterile. What a shame. What a shame. But we used to be mad creative. It was like, write stuff together. To just be free and open and there's no judges, there's no barriers, just do what you need to do. That's really healthy. Isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah, amazing, amazing place. Um, From there, I actually formed a theatre company before I got into Lambda and it was a time of ILEA being disbanded right and they had to get load of shit they had to get rid of a shitload of money so they were painting railings of schools blah 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 and um, I'd done a showcase with the college and I'd done a Greek piece which I think they thought was really odd for a black girl to do a Greek piece but that was my back that's what I mean a Jean-Paul Sartre that was my and I remember it was Helen of Troy with a... Not Helen, Cassandra, the one who was a bit nuts. Yeah. And I used my hand as a flame. And I can remember them going... Glenda Jackson came to after the showcase and said, knock, knock, knock. And I said, who is it? And she said, Glenda Jackson. I was like, yeah, right. No, she said, no, honestly, it, <laughs> it is. She said, that was amazing. And I don't think people were used to black folk doing classics and enjoying it and making it something contemporary. So it was quite physical. And there was a guy she introduced me to called Graham, and I can't remember the guy's name, but he gave us a bit of money to start this company. But then I got into Lambda and passed it on, and I, they messed it up. Oh, no. Yeah. And it was... We, our first commission piece was about HIV, because back then it was horrific. Yeah. Frightening, a tombstone... To, to write something to go into sc- to schools to talk about, you know, someone coming out. And at that, that, at that point, it was seen as the gay plague. You're going to die. I know, do You're you remember gay. the adverts? It was disgusting. It was awful. Yeah. Awful. Don't touch anyone. All that bit. I mean, yeah. really, with the tombstone coming up. It was AIDS. really fucking Daily Mail yeah. stuff, wasn't Horrible. it? Horrible. Frightening people, left, right and centre, pinning down people, you know, taking sections of society and pointing fingers and blaming. Your fault. Yep. It's your fault. Like witch, like a yeah, witch, witch hunt. Witch hunt, exactly was. It really felt like that, didn't it? Yeah, horrible. There was an exhibition of someone, again, I fell in love with because I have these crushes, artistic crushes, Derek Jarman. So I'd gone, because I love photography, at, when I was at Kingsway, so 17... 18 to an exhibition at the Barbican going to see Eve Arnold, the photographer. Yeah. And along with it, paid three quid and you can go and see Derek Jarman. I was like, who's Derek Jarman? Let me pay my three pound. I was blown away. And it was at that time. So there was, and he was diagnosed with HIV and some of his work, I felt his pain. I felt his 
fight against society. So there were some pieces with the tabloid press because I had no idea he was quite a well-known underground filmmaker as well yeah. as an artist and a writer and just an extraordinary human being going, what the hell? I mean, huge pieces with gay plague, Derek Jarman, AIDS. I mean, just... And then there was a tiny piece in the corner which probably had the most impact. And it was a little, um, like, cabinet of all the drugs that he had to take. No. Yeah, because this was a retrospective, so he's no longer with us. On a huge wall. So the way they exhibited it was amazing as well. Just incredible. Um, And had a huge, huge impact to the point where, again... I bought everything that was written about him <laughs> and everything he'd written. Yeah. But I love it when those things happen. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the, oh, the exhibition just, I, I think about it now and I get, you know, the hair on my arms go up. That's, that's art. And how that's, incredible that you've still got that. Oh God, without you can, fail. You can think about that and it, it inspires you again. Exactly. I mean, he was avant-garde and I believe that, you can tell stories and have impact in a way that gets bums on seats. Um, the more people that see it, the better, is yeah. my view. Yeah. It's all very well making art for art's sake. Ish. I mean, I do believe you should express yourself, but it's going to touch someone. And if it touches someone, it needs pushing to get it seen by as many people, especially if it's saying something interesting or important. Yeah, so but if that, it inspires one person. You're right. You're right. Just one then it's all, it's still doing some good. You're absolutely right. Because if it does that for you, it's bound to have done it for somebody else. Yeah. You can think that. You're, you're absolutely right. You, you are right. I do think about mass appeal because it's such an important medium. It's such a powerful thing. Film, TV, good TV, yeah. art, literature is such an important... It's all very well watching news footage... We are desensitised. If you show someone's plight behind statistics, it's done. Yeah. It's done. You are going to touch someone, even the hardest person. It's, it, your, your, your journey's done. And the more people see that, the more we make change. You know what I mean? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, inspiring one person is great, but I do believe in if there is a way of... I'm not saying compromising what you do, but getting the right avenues to to show and to showcase is what makes change because, you know, we're run by popularity. I mean, look at all this social media. Yeah. You know, so... But also change doesn't come f- from anger. No. And, and screaming about injustice. No. Because it's just... You might as well be yeah. smashing your head against a brick Absolutely. wall. And uh, we've, I'm sure we've all been there. Before, do you know what? This is not. Yeah. This is not right. No, it's not right. No, it's not fair. But it's just life. Yeah. And yeah. we need to navigate yeah. our way through it the best we can. Yeah. You're absolutely right. You, you know, being angry and shouting about it—that's a, a turn-off. That's it. Just is. Yeah. And throughout history, if you look at the cases of mass injustices, the people who have had the most impact have there's been no violence and there's been I mean Rosa Parks I, I just say one here right now yeah you know what I mean calm powerful yeah get your voice heard that yeah. way yeah yeah auditioning for drama school was that 
always on the cards? Did you think that's the natural progression? That's yes. my next step. Yeah, because it was back in in those days. And as I said, I was in my little bubble, so I had my two faces: my school public face, jokester, catching yeah. jokes, um, <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> And the home of me that loved the escapism of it, loved the beauty of being someone else when you were acting or reading poetry that took you somewhere else and understanding quite early how powerful that was. So sit in my little bedroom in Wembley, I could be reading something. Like I had a big thing about the Mersey poets. Right. Just boom, boom, straight. I loved it. But just somewhere else or understanding someone else's perspective through their poetry without reading an interview or anything like that, but understanding where they were coming from, what was in the deepest part of their mind through what they'd written down in poetry. It was like, huh? This shit's mad. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's so, that's really mature view. Sorry, that doesn't sound patronising, but when you were that young, to that, that, work that art took you somewhere else yeah. and you were thinking about that perspective yeah but I didn't know that that I wouldn't have been able to articulate it I just knew it moved me that's that's all I knew yeah so like music back in the days of Walkman's putting a Walkman on and looking around and making a film in my head with a soundtrack <laughs> I know <laughs> You've probably done it. <laughs> all day long Karen all day long it's the same thing no? Yes, yes. It's exactly the same I'm thing. I'm so doing those, it this morning. There you go. In, yeah. So those artists that get to you. Yeah. The yeah. words or whatever, you just go, and then you look around, and then already there's a, you know, a creative idea. A, so that's... Something goes from something else yeah. to something yeah. else. So auditioning for drama schools was a mad thing for me. So from that Shakespeare thing, a lot of them required you do a Shakespeare so by that point, auditioning for drama schools, I'd already left Stella because I'm sure she would have helped me with it. But I felt I had a handle on what I believed Shakespeare's characters were saying. So I picked... What did I do? I, did, I had two under my belt because I had to do a modern as well. And one was the nurse because I thought, oh, let me play to type. Big girl. I was big. And one was Hermione from Winter's Tale, which one day I would love to play. Actually, I'd love to play Paulina, to be honest, from Winter's Tale. I'd love to play Paulina one day. But I did Hermione. And I can remember going through it and asking my colleagues, at, asking my mates at, in my class at Kingsway, oh, will you just look at this and sort of give me direction? Oh, really? Yeah, because I was nervous. The little girl, the girl from Wembley who'd been doing it in her, in her house doing it in front of people who are going to be, you know, a panel. I know, but you must have had great confidence to show, you know, Bullshit. show and tell in front of your friends. Yeah, yeah, but I was comfortable with that creative yeah. group. It was a small group of us. But doing it, I just became that person and had to trust the language and trust the character he'd written. Yeah. I was terrified because I had all sorts of stuff in my head about, you know, I grew up with a certain amount of confidence, which is you do better and you're going to have to do better. You're just going to have to do, you know... But there was that side of me going, well, I'm a working class girl from Wembley and these places, like, I didn't do RADA because I was terrified, weirdly. Lambda, Guildhall, 
Central, and I did Rosebury first because they gave money. It was a degree course. That was it. That's all my mum could afford because you paid 25 quid, which was a lot of money then. But I can remember going, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, I'm scared, I'm scared. Really, te- really terrified. Not the modern piece, but the Shakespeare piece, going, oh, you don't sound like Laurence Olivier, you know, whatever. Yeah. Because that's all we sort of had, yeah. thinking, you know, you have to sound like that. Oh, exactly. leave off. Which is probably why you looked at Rada and went, no, yeah. those doors are firmly closed yes. to, to me. Yes, 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 yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was, ter- it, was, it was terrifying. But weirdly, I seemed to do quite well in them, so... So the auditions went well? Did yeah. you f- Could you sense it afterwards? Could you feel it? No, I was in shock. Oh, yeah. So doing my pieces in Central, they had a thing where they kept the applicants in a room and then you go in and do your second piece and then they keep you in a room, deliberate and then pick the person they wanted for a recall. Yeah. And I can remember there was 50, 60 people in a room and they said, we've only decided to recall one person, um, Karen, Karen Holder, because that's my name, Karen. And I put my hand up and everyone sort of looked at me. I want that fat girl, the fat <laughs> black one. Yeah. Did they look at you with oh, disgust? Oh, oh, God, yeah. Fuck. All the sort of pretty ones <laughs> doing the hair yeah. and, the, you know, actuary looking. And I can remember going, oh. I mean, I didn't get in, but that's fine. Guildhall called me back afterwards and said, you need to live life for a year. Come back in the, a year. The classic line. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll, we'll put you to the recall level. And then Lambda were like, nope, let's rock. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have to pay for each audition? You yeah. Know, yeah. Yeah. And I, that's why I needed four. Where, 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 do you find that money okay? Because that's probably my, like £50 a time. It, it? was her, 25. 25? My, my, my dear, dear, dear supportive mum. She was incredible. She is incredible. She just went right. I mean, she did loads of campaigning because I was quite shy. So she did a thing for... We went to Wembley Stadium... Michael Jackson fund gave us a bit of money. Really? So when he played Wembley Stadium, he left some money for any artistic people. I don't think they'd advertised it so that you knew. I don't know how she found out about it. Yes, I do. The Voice. She did an interview in The Voice. We both did, but mum spoke. Because I I was speechless. I didn't know what to say. I can't imagine you speechless, Karen. No, really. (laughs) Really. (laughs) She was great. So we had Paul Boiteng come over to our house. Right. And he said... Go to Cambridge. Of course he did. Yeah. <laughs> um, she was full on, knowing that I'd got into a huge drama school, which was a big deal for us. Yeah. And not get a grant. Not oh. get a grant. And she did the whole thing about, yeah, you give grants to people at university and a lot of the time they're doing agricultural studies, they're not interested in it or whatever, to yeah. have a piss up for three years. Mm. And I was dedicated. And you know, uh, Voice told us about the Michael Jackson fund and because we lived right there next to Wembley Stadium, they gave us a bit of money. So I think that helped us out a bit, but she remortgaged her house. Craig. <sighs> Your mum. I know. And we were lucky enough to have bought it back back in the day. It was a shared house when, you know, I was born and my dad... Them, they both bought the person out that was shared the house. The house was the, the road was full of immigrants who saved every damn penny. Yeah. To put that deposit down. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And save money on things like one person worked for my uncle across the road worked for Heinz, 
So we'd get the battered beans, tins and soup. Boom. Um, nanny, we called her Nanny right up until the death, cause, uh, up until her death, because even as a grown up, because she used to look after some of the kids in the area. Again, this community support yeah, yeah, yeah. for no money. She, her husband worked at Mavitti, so we get the broken biscuit, you know. Bag of broken biscuits. Exactly. Yeah. For two pence or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I've forgotten what I was talking about because I'm just, rambling. No, just your support. If mum and she remortgaged the house. Yes. For your your education fees for, for Lambda. She believed it. I'm quite determined. That's what she was noticing. And she's very much like that. And I think she saw a lot of me, a lot of her in me. Yeah. And admired that. Because um, my sister's now found her speed. Um, she had a lovely son. She was... I could see her potential from Dot, my older sister. She's now in her... She's found her thing and she's thriving. You know, just graduated um, with her degree last year. And she's grown. Wow. Her son's grown. Her son's gone into uni now, my uh, nephew Callum. My brother, again, has now found his speed where he's like a life coach stroke fitness trainer but there was lots of i don't knows going on well there's always lots of hurdles yeah and pitfalls and wrong paths yeah yeah you get there when you get there yeah yeah and how was the training how did you have any perceptions of what lambda was going to be like no i always try and keep an open mind because i don't like disappointment I just don't like having expectations Can and then being dashed. You don't like disappointment, but you chose to be an actor. Oh, what? <laughs> do you know what's nuts? Just talking earlier about that whole disappointment train. And I've been reminded of some fundamental things in this business because I'm mentoring a, a young kid. For, I call him a young kid. He's not a kid at all, but I love him. He's a brilliant young actor from Manc, from Manchester. And I'm pretty hard with him because his business is hard. Yeah, good. And his heart's in the right place. A lot of young people think, oh, fame, blah, 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 blah. You know, all this celebrity business going on. Yeah. He's a grafter. But when I met him, he lacked in confidence, but I had to just pull him up by the bootstraps and go, right. And as I'm saying this stuff, I'm reminded what's important for us as actors to stay safe and to have longevity in our career. Well, that's it's tough. Not to interrupt you, but Leslie Manville was speaking at the weekend at the BFI. And Bravo was, for doing that, by the way, Craig. Oh, honoured to Brilliant. be asked. It was, it's, a, it's a, what Danny Lee started there. It's, it's exactly that. It's a starting point. Yeah. Um, but I think it's really important. Mm. But she was saying... Exactly that about young actors now. They want it now, they want it yeah, now. Yeah. She went, it's, yeah. a, it's a slow ride. Yeah. And also, it's not about anything else but the work. Yes. It's about the, the work. work. I absolutely agree with you 150,000% because I think people are lo losing sight of that. Mm. So you're getting people with short careers you know, one-hit wonders from nowhere. Or some that just burst into flames too quickly. Yeah. And, and it, it just... It... But there's no longevity to it. No. So you can get, you can, you know, where they go one-hit wonder, they were plucked from obscurity, amazing talent, great. But because it's happened so quickly, there's something psychologically 
that's almost setting them up for a fall unless they have got a strong network and support system because this business is no joke. But in it about support, what about that support? What about when somebody is plucked like that and they go, right, you're going to be in my award-winning film and you, you can burn as bright as anything and show everybody on screen what you're doing and then... Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm, well, I'm off here to do this other film. Now, you go and get on with yourself. Yeah. Wait a minute. I, I've got nothing to fall back on. There I'm you not, go. You need, to, you need support. That's exactly it. And to know that if you don't have someone guiding you, if you're that green going in and being thrust into something huge, it's probably the time where you need the support more than ever because someone guiding your next move... Um, maybe taking a class somewhere before the film comes. You know, something that grounds you so that you understand what it is you're doing, so you understand the craft. Because some people have no idea. They just like the idea of it. Yeah. And clever casting could be that you are picking an exact type, which is why they did amazing in that one film. Exactly. And there's nothing behind it. That's it. Yeah. That's as much as this... Per- and watching... A person literally. There's a. Oh, I don't know if I should. Say, there's a film. We can always. A, we can always bleep it out. Don't okay, worry. So the Andrea Arnold film, The Wuthering Heights. Yeah. That guy. Horrible, poor thing, and she's known for plucking people and out of obscurity. The girl in Fish Tank was had an argument on the train platform. Well, yeah. that's exactly what I was getting at yeah. when I was talking about the support yeah. before. That was that exact film. Yeah, exactly. And there's another one she did with a guy who it's and it's horrible. I mean, I think there are some serious mental health issues with him. Um and we know how important looking after our mental health is as an actor or anybody creative is freelance. It's it's vital. Isn't you know, it? everybody's everybody's going to the gym to look after themselves physically. Mm. You know, looking after yourself upstairs Hello. is just as important. Oh, you know? if not more so. Well, to if be there's honest. one thing I've learnt doing these podcasts, it's that it's you know we need to talk we about do. this, and uh, there's no stigma attached. I know, but no? it still is though. You know, Craig. I think I think the barriers are breaking slowly. I do. I really do. So do I, and especially in what we do and freelance sector so creatives is happening more and more so in one sense throughout history creatives were almost allowed to have wobbles um looking at the Marilyn Monroe stuff there was a program on sky arts looking at her life and her struggles behind the boo boo be doo yeah uh, persona we saw yeah her turning to drugs However, I don't think it's talked about in a... I don't think the support, the structure of support is there, is in place because we're all freelance. You know, I'd done corporate stuff 10, 15 years ago where mental health was on the agenda. And i tell you why it was on the agenda, why they brought people in like the companies I'd worked for, is because money's involved. People were getting sued. Big, 
arse companies were getting sued for not supporting staff or unfair dismissals. So they put some money behind that and started training up staff. So there's a way where there's a structure where if someone is off for stress, anxiety, a way of after they're off and they've been signed off from the doctor to go back to go back into work, that there's a plan in place of how you don't repeat the same patterns that put you in stress in the first place, but it's changed around and something's agreed where it's you learn from your mistakes or you learn from what happened in the past and work on a program or a way of working that doesn't allow for those that feeling of isolation which can snowball into serious anxiety, into stress, yeah. into serious, you know, mental health issues. And there was it's becoming more recognised that people, bosses take five minutes and if they see something they ask so it's encouraged in that way because now it's fully thread into a lot of manifestos and huge companies so they have to because money was involved which is why they invested now if you're freelance it's such it's so much harder because nine times out of ten you are not in an organisation where someone sees you repeatedly. We go in, we do a gig, and we're out. Yeah. And in that time, you could be suffering at home and no one's coming to see you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's getting worse and worse and worse. And reaching out is harder. Because everything else is getting harder. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so not working, you're feeling shit. Not getting the jobs because you're feeling... You know, it's like a cycle, but there yeah. isn't any structure for actors or creatives to go... I'm struggling here and I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. They come on the podcast, Karen. That's what they do. Mm. <laughs> and mm. we talk about mm. it. Yeah. So talking is one thing going, you're not alone, A, and there is help. And also not thinking that it's only you. That's what I mean. You know, it's like you yeah. do, you can think that sometimes. I certainly know, you know, if I've had slightly darker days than yes. normal, you can start to think, what if it's... What if that's only me? And it's not, no. is it? It's so no. not. But that can have a snowball effect. Yeah. And sometimes it's very hard to switch off. It is. And it you totally need, is. You really need to switch off sometimes. Which is why I admire actors coming out and proud, especially actors or creatives who are in the public eye, saying, okay, you know me from a particular programme and you see this character, but I, you know, was diagnosed with depression and this particular organisation really helped me. Yeah. And it's, you know, yeah. to say there is help out there and it's okay to talk about it. And the more we do it, the better it is. And again, a slow process. You can't change things overnight. Exactly. But the starting point is vital and so important. Absolutely. To get people talking. It's okay. We all have blips. We yeah. all. How do, I want to go back mm. um, in a bit, because as you know, we sort of jump around the Great. time frame Love here. No, you know. But how do you deal with the darker days, the, the times when things aren't going to plan? Okay, so I have times where I'm understanding that this is my pattern, where I overcompensate by achieving. So that thing, going back to my childhood, when really I should just be feeling what I'm feeling. 
in that moment. In that moment, in that period of time and yeah. feel it. I can't, I will feel it. And what has happened is times where I'm so exhausted that I'm not giving credence to anything I'm doing and I have to take a break. Right. And I've only learnt this recently. Um, this is tough. And as a woman in this business and as a black woman in this business, trust me, because I'm not about to take any, any, any. I'm just not. No. And I'm not about to put my black face on stuff that doesn't work for me. I'm no. just not. So that's why I've always tried to do other things so I don't make bad choices because that would really put me in a bad place mentally. I'd feel no, shit about myself. I don't think you ever do things for the sake of it. No, I or can't. To do, yeah, you can't do it, can you? No. no. Because, but if I had no money, I'd have to. But as a result of that, I would end up having issues. So I know I'm kind of tough on myself. And in those darker days, yoga, yoga, yoga. Oh, that's, that's the oh, thing. That's, that's your thing. That's my thing. That's the therapy for you. Yeah, it is. Nice. My time. Nobody else, nothing to do with my husband, nothing. It's my time to just be in what it is I'm feeling. Yeah. And because you're not concentrating on it, you're concentrating on your connection to your physical self. Um, there's some solace in that. Because it's hard. Weirdly, talking about mentoring this, this um, mentoring Johnny, what I've realised is he's actually helping me as well. Um, I can tell when he's down. I can tell when he's got... He's not getting a break and he's got some, you know, some people who've got more advantages because of who they are yeah. getting auditions and moaning about it. And he can't get, you know, I know, you know, and me giving little tips of walk away and it doesn't, it doesn't go. You're not a bad person if you're going, oh, why can't I at least have a break? I mean, he's an incredible actor. Yeah. Um, that those things never go or making sure that your mental health is on is is as healthy as it possibly can because this is tough yeah well that's what i was talking about anger and injustice before because it can go right up into your head and you just explode oh, God, yeah. and it's just not healthy it no, doesn't get you anywhere no, it doesn't and i don't i, I mean look it's easier said than done because I, I've, I've, I've been through it all you know i've been through that yeah but it's only going through that when you do learn but i still don't know what what you do, I still, there's times I still struggle 25 years on. So going for something a couple of months ago that I really wanted and actually my life, I was not in a good space. But what I had done to feel as equipped was really research the show and all the rest of it and really get, get a grip on the, on the sides and feel comfortable yeah. in place. My mind wondered that it's in my body and I'm not going to start going, oh, what am I saying? But uh, I was, it was, oh my God. It was so horrible. It was horrible. In what way? Um, I just couldn't get a grip. I wasn't listening to her. I was so in my head. It was to put on tape. She said, relax. And I like, my physical self feels relaxed. But the more she's saying that, it was horrific. So I'm going to be shit. And the more I was shit, the more I'm going, everything, every audition I've worked with you on now is going to go to shit because this is so horrific. I wanted to say to her, please don't send that tape. And I'm really sorry. It was horrific. So I walked out and I wanted to run to get the... 
<laughs> it was so, oh my God. That's so hard when that happens because, again, it's about trying to switch off the on button, the, switch the yeah. off button. But I don't know what brain. to do. You've no, I know, we don't. Do- no, do you go through no, that? No, I go through it. Everybody goes through do it. Do they? Yes. But you're so amazing. You, it looks like you are in control of that and you're like, well... Like, are you, you know. fucking kidding me? Wow. I wish I was in some sort of control. Wow. No, no. Thank you for saying that because I always think that, you know, actors who want something and they don't get it, they're all cool with it. But this goes, <laughs> this goes back to you know, looking after your upstairs and yeah. if you're alone in your house going, oh, maybe it's just me who's having a dark day. It's not because yes. there's other people right. exactly in that same position. And that goes back to this too, I think. Craig, I'm really, really grateful for having this chat with you on this podcast, seriously, because 20-odd years on, I'm at this point now, and it's weird because I've had a little bit of a wobble in January, and I can remember thinking, what am I doing? Within your own, sorry, within your own confidence, within yourself, yeah. But not being used to it, but not having the energy to try and do something about it. I'm one of those people, fortunately or unfortunately... And it's kind of old-fashioned. Pull your bootstraps out and get on with something. So that goes back to get a book. Yeah. So I wasn't allowing myself. <laughs> it all back. Yeah. Yeah. Allowing myself to go, it's all right, but beating myself up. So waking up early in the morning, doing a big chunk of work, because I've got this online mag, and by one o'clock, two o'clock, going, I'm done. I'm, I'm mentally exhausted going for a long walk or doing a, you know, a few postures in yoga, feeling a little bit better, but then going, yeah, I feel a bit, yeah. But that's all right. I think that's all right. I think sometimes we just need to let ourselves off the hook yeah, and go, it's all right. Yeah. It's okay that you're not firing the null cylinders today because you're human. I know. It's a toughie because inside my head, I want to change the world. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, yeah, it's this, it's a really strange feeling um, because it was affecting me physically. Yeah. So I was getting really tired. So my brain is plotting my next move. Right, I'm going to do this. Right, tomorrow morning I'm going to do this, 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 this. And then I'll feel okay because it's been productive. And I got a book. <laughs> <laughs> but... I'd be exhausted by one and then half the yeah. things on that list weren't done, which made me feel worse. So little thing, and also speaking of that audition that was so horrific, do you know, I didn't let that go for a week. I did not let that go for I, a week. I understand. I bet you didn't. I was going, that's my reputation down the drive. That was, it was so... That's it. It's, game, it's all yeah. done. Game over. Yeah. yeah. I'm finished now. I should not, you know, I, <laughs> my, my brain knows that... It's not, that's, that's not, not the true. case. Yeah. And it's ridiculous. Mm. But when you're feeling vulnerable, any little thing like that... Of course, because you constantly go, yeah, well, I know it's not, but what if? What, what yeah. if I am yeah. right? And the, and the part, because for women, finding or seeing those parts that are really beautifully written that are not stereotypical and they're opening it out to all ethnicities and it's about, you know gorgeous character stuff in it. It's like a freaking, the best meal you've ever had. It's like, rare. Yeah. Do you think S- that's changing? At all? Hope, yes, I do. Slowly, slowly, slowly. 
um, we're taking stock of all that Danish stuff because for some reason they seem to get a grip of women have got something to offer over the age of 40 that isn't a mother or or a victim. Yeah. But an interesting character with foibles that you get to know, like so many male characters are. All that, the killing, the bridge. You know, I think two of those characters had on the, spe- they're on the spectrum. Yes, I think you're right. I haven't Amazing. got to grips with all that, but yeah. Uh, this, that's my thing, by the way. Really interesting, intricate stories with unapologetic women who are not caked up in makeup with lipstick, offering up sexuality or mother nature. But the, the character in The Bridge, I can't remember the name of the character, I'm addicted to it, but this absolutely incredible. She's short. So has, she's got Asperger's, quite right. severe Asperger's, but her mind works in such an incredible way such an incredible way and you've got the guy who's her backup and all of that stuff and she's not glamorous yeah nope it's the character and they draw you in and their partnership and their camaraderie even though she'll often ask him am i supposed to ask the person how 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 they are before i question them because she's short she's got asperger's it's an interesting the danish do it really well um, I think the guy who wrote The Bridge just wrote Marcella and, of course, Anna Friel has got and a lovely complex. So when you get parts like that, the pressure is on. So when you feel you've done badly, it's like... Yeah, because you know it's you against... Yeah, a million other women are going, this is amazing writing, this is... Yeah, I want this too. Yeah. You know, interesting female characters that aren't just the same thing and sometimes we you know there's a little something that we can grab hold of and go okay I'd like to do that because I like the bigger picture I like the story but when it comes to you actually playing a character that is could be male or female could be black white green orange whatever sexual orientation isn't a deal or if it is it's explored and and it's explored in a way that's exciting or just something some meat because we don't fall off the edge of a cliff at 40 we don't and there's a lot of stories and there's a lot, there's a lot there. There's a lot there that, you know, the stories aren't there or the character's not there or the writing's not there. But I think there are some amazing writers coming through that yes. are changing that. Yeah. And going, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's all very exciting. well and good that these 25-year-olds are telling this story, but I've got this story about this 45-year-old mother yeah. and yeah. this is going to blow your mind. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's out there and it's happening. Yeah. But how about if she's 45 and she's not a mother? Or how about if she's... Do you see what I mean? It takes all sorts to run this world and we're half the population of the globe. We're not all mothers. That's true. Do you see what I mean? So the stories... It's really tough because, you know, again, the chicken and egg syndrome. So a lot of black actresses will say they get the nursey parts. So why can't she be the doctor? You've never seen a black female doctor. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or why can't she be, if she is a mother, why couldn't she have gone to, you just see her, she's in a gay relationship and her partner got sperm donor or they went to another gay guy, a gay couple, got the sperm. But you don't have to concentrate on that, but that's her life. Yeah. But she's getting on in the story, doing something else, but that's her backstory. Yeah. No, it become a deal. 
Why does it have to be a deal? Or a thing. Or a thing. <laughs> yeah. Or biracial relationships in, in, in th- why does it have to be a thing? Why does it have to come up as a it's thing? It's just a it bit just of is. life. It yeah. just yeah, it just is. Because you see it every, you see it all the time. The diversity thing, the working class thing. Why can't it just be and not be oh I pulled myself up for <laughs> why can't it just be that that's where he's from? Yeah. His parents might have worked hard, they might not have. He might have been in foster care, he might not have. But that he is who he is, he had his backstory, but he is who he is and he's serving the story, but he is just there. And we, we don't make those divisions because it just is. Yeah. Telling stories with what, what's outside here in London, a diverse population from all over the world. This is a hub. But there are, you know, diverse people all over the country. Some aren't used to it, some aren't not. Let's educate through this. Is what I mean about the powerful medium of film, TV, literature. It just is so powerful because we just get fed this stuff. Bums on seats. And this is what I meant about the bums on seats thing. If you're fed it, slowly, it just becomes. Do you know what I mean? Like that, what's that American show? The one with the blended family. Um, oh, gosh. You're speaking with... to someone who doesn't have a television, remember? Oh, oh. Yeah. Right, sorry. There's a, I, <laughs> not, I do watch it, but yeah. I don't actually have one. So there's an American show called not My Family, something Family, but it's about you mean Modern Family. Modern Family. See? So it, again, I've got my finger on the pulse. I there know you I'm go. <laughs> but that thing of going, well, actually, now this is a new norm. But when that was probably pitched, it might have been quite an interesting. I'd have loved to have been at the pitching meetings because. You know, on paper, it might you might go, mm? but it's really, really popular. And the fact that it's prime time comedy, that's bleeding into people's homes and middle America. Yes. And that's how you slowly change stuff. It's all very well hearing news reports and statistics and this and that. Seeing some interactions. We're not aliens. Just, you know, telling stories where characters are just, who they are. Karen That's- Bryson, MBE. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. No, this has been amazing. And a, is that all right? Do you enjoy it? Absolutely. I yeah. think you guys rock. You really do. You really, really do. And this has been helpful to me, just talking. Oh, Thank I'm you, so Craig. pleased. Thank you for coming You're on. Amazing. Thank you. What about that? I mean... Spending time with Karen was so inspiring. She's so fiercely passionate. And you know what? She's got a long list, but she's getting things done. So I hope you really, really enjoyed it. And that's it. We are done. Thanks so much for joining us and subscribing. You know we're on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. It's at Two Shot Pod. Send us a message there. We love hearing from you. You can also email if you want. It's twoshotpod at gmail.com. See? I know it off by heart now. 40 episodes in, it's rolling off. Um, What else? That's it. Next week is episode 41. Um, That's it. That's all I've got to say. Oh, oh, Saturday, if you are uh, in Cheltenham, I'm going to be at the Cheltenham Poetry Festival uh, opening up for the brilliant J.B. Barrington, who is going to be a guest on this podcast at some point. I think when we go up north uh, in May or June. He's brilliant. If you're there, come say hello. be great to see you. If not, I shall see you next week. So until then, 
I've been Craig Parkinson, he's been producer Griff, and this has been The Two Shot Podcast. You take care, stay safe, have a good week. The Two Shot Podcast is presented by me, Craig Parkinson, recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. Our music, our brilliant music, is courtesy of Then Thickens. Cheers. Cheers.